Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Imagine for a minute a freezing cold night in the dead of winter. You're alone in the library of your house, mourning the loss of your beloved partner, unable to reconcile your feelings of loss. Suddenly, you hear a quiet knocking at your door. You ignore it for a time, trying to convince yourself that nothing is there, until a nagging feeling overcomes you. You go over to the door, open it and speak the name of your lost love into the darkness. Lenore, nothing is there. Shortly after, you hear a tapping at the window. You open the window and a raven flies in, landing on a bust of Pallas, the ancient god of wisdom, on the mantelpiece. Surprised, you ask the raven's name and feel your heart skip a beat when it actually answers back squawking, nevermore. You sit there, watching and contemplating this strange bird. Your mind is a quagmire, each thought sinking beneath the next as you try to understand what nevermore and the omen of this bird might actually mean. You hover at the edge of insanity. Is this bird a gateway through which you can connect to your lost Lenore? Is it a sign from heaven or from hell? Is the raven even real? Or is it just an outward manifestation of your heat-oppressed mind? In the end, you get no answer from the mysterious creature. It offers no promise of redemption for your lost love either. It simply remains with you, staring at you, saying nevermore. It will remain as your constant companion, lurking in the shadows of your heart throughout the years. But now, dear listeners... It's time to wake up from this little foray into this famous storyline and introduce you to the real thing itself, the poem. May I present you with this very, very famous piece of verse, The Raven, by Edgar Allan Poe. This poem is read to you by the very eloquent Matty Overall. The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe Once upon a midnight dreary While I pondered weak and weary Over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore While I nodded, nearly napping Suddenly there came a tapping As of someone gently rapping Rapping at my chamber door Tis some visitor, I muttered Tapping at my chamber door Only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow. Vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow. Sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. 
nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before. So that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This it is, nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore? This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what Theratis and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly, grim, an ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven. Much I marvelled, this ungainly fowl, to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Startled at the stillness broken by reply, so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store, A caught from some unhappy master, whom unmerciful disaster Followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore, 
till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then, upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er. But whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press. Ah, nevermore. Then methought the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer swung by seraphim whose footfalls tingled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thou God had lent thee, by these angels he has sent thee, respite, respite and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, Desolate, yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me, truly, I implore. Is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if, Within the distant Aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back unto the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door, and his eyes of all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. Edgar Allan Poe was orphaned as a child and ended up being fostered by a wealthy family. Poe struggled at both university and with his time that he spent in the army. 
Later in his life, he became an established, albeit tortured, writer who made his living from publishing his stories and writing literary reviews. Published in 1845, the poem The Raven is definitely one of his most famous pieces. Poe faced many difficulties in his life, however. In addition to facing a number of financial and mental problems throughout his years, Poe was particularly affected by the death of his wife, Virginia. In fact, Poe wrote The Raven in the aftermath of his wife's demise from tuberculosis. Many commentators, in fact, interpret the character of Lenore as being inspired by the figure of his wife. Virginia's premature death is perhaps also captured in the central figure of one of his other famous poems, Annabelle Lee. In writing The Raven, Poe adopts a Gothic literature style. Writing in the midst of the 18th century, Gothic-inspired work usually included aspects and qualities of horror, cursed romance, supernatural happenings, and wild dramatic scenes. Like The Raven, Gothic works such as Frankenstein by Mary Shelley and Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte locate their protagonists in bleak isolation, wrestling with irreconcilable passions while being beset on all sides by sinister, otherworldly forces that are somehow connected to both the supernatural and the subconsciousness of the main characters. Gothic works, moreover, tend to make it hard to actually work out whether the strange events being described are indeed happening, or whether these events are merely the result of a character's subconscious. So I want to speak a little here about the three main characters of the poem, starting with the narrator. The narrator of the poem seems to be a scholar who is overcome with the loss of his beloved Lenore. Alone in his residence on a bleak winter night, we are presented with the vision of a man reading old books in an attempt to perhaps escape from his emotional pain. While the narrator is clearly a learned and rational man, it soon becomes apparent that his expertise in the field of scholarship and logical thinking are no salve for his suffering and heightened emotions. He fluctuates between emotional extremes, from tortured feelings of loss, to near euphoria, and finally to an experience of hollowness, when the raven leaves him with the final pronouncement that he and Lenore never will meet again. Of course, it is never apparent whether a supernatural raven comes to him in the flesh, pushing him into a deep state of despair, or whether it is in fact his own psychological breakdown that conjures the raven out of the broken backroom corridors of his unstable mind. Turning to the figure of Lenore, experts in the field often consider her to be a representation of Poe's own dead wife, Virginia. Lenore haunts the poem but never comes fully into focus. She remains a mystery without true definition, all while being a dominant presence within the narrative nonetheless. And finally, I just need to touch here upon the raven itself. The raven is a bird who, upon entering the narrator's house, lands on the mantelpiece, upon a bust of Pallas, the god of wisdom. Nevermore is, of course, the repeated word that the blackbird squawks to every one of the narrator's questions. The bird acts as neither a threat 
nor a friend, but the narrator perceives the creature as at best supernatural and at worst demonic. Added to this, the narrator becomes increasingly perplexed and tortured by the raven's repeated use of the word nevermore and interprets that word as a message indicating that he stands no meaningful chance of being reunited with Lenore after death. So before I discuss the leading themes and ideas in the poem, maybe a few words about some of the historical references in the poem are in order. Throughout the poem, Poe makes repeated references to classical mythology in the Bible. This includes the words ancient lore, such as what the narrator might have been studying at the beginning of the text. Pallas, as we've already established, the bust on which the raven perches is a reference to Pallas Athena, the Greek goddess of wisdom. Like Pallas Athena, the raven hails from the saintly days of yore. The bird's choice of landing place illustrates its relationship to ancient divine omniscient authority, solidifying a connection that the speaker makes explicit when he dubs the bird a prophet. Further, Nepenthe is described in Homer's Odyssey as a drug that erases memories, while the Plutonian shores are a reference to the god Pluto the Roman equivalent of Hades in Greek mythology, who reigns over the underworld. The mention of Gilead refers to the Old Testament line in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 22, that reads, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? And the word Aden refers to the Garden of Eden. Overall, all these literary references allow Poe to connect his poem and his narrative to the foundational texts of Western literature. This is no accident. These literary references make a case that the narrator's experiences are universal and timeless. In other words, the narrator's continued references to ancient literature suggest that, just as he was unable to escape the past that he shared with his beloved Lenore, he is also trapped in the literary past as well, with all its abiding influences. This impulse to view his experiences in the context of these works is mirrored by his obsession of seeing the raven and its behaviour solely in the context of Lenore. Here, the past becomes the lens through which he perceives the present, and reason indicates the triumph of the irrational and the unknowable over any rational attempt to figure it out. So I want to take some time here to discuss some of the central themes of this poem, starting with the age-old problem of death and the function of memory. As with many of Poe's works, the raven explores death. In particular, this poem examines the impact of death on those left behind. It specifically focuses on experiences such as grief, mourning, and the heavy effect that memories of the deceased can have on the living. The question of whether there is an afterlife in which people can be reunited with the dead also raises its head. 
The poem starts with the narrator struggling alone in the isolation of his house in a cheerless room. He portrays himself as trying to find surcease of sorrow by reading his books. On one hand, he simply might be trying to distract himself to mitigate his pain. But on the other hand, his reading of books of forgotten lore could indicate that he is obsessively searching for mystical knowledge that can help him to unlock or reverse the effects of death, kind of like we see in the novel Frankenstein. Whatever the reality actually is, his efforts to escape the pain of death or deny its sting are very human responses. In another of his poems called Lenore, Poe actually features a deceased woman of that name. But in this poem, the narrator, confronted with the loss of his wife, reassures himself with the prospect that he will actually see her again in heaven. In The Raven, however, the narrator ultimately takes a more pessimistic view. After the raven arrives, cutting short the narrator's sense that Lenore might be visiting as a ghost and answering his hopeful questions about the balm of Gilead, which refers to the idea of heaven with only the repeated nevermore, here the narrator, bereft of hope, resigns himself to never being reunited with his beloved ever again. Of course, in talking, it is uncertain whether the raven is actually speaking truth through his utterances of nevermore or giving voice to the narrator's own crippling anxieties about his lost lover. Either way, the poem concludes on a sad note, suggesting that there is no balm of Gilead and thereby no heaven. All we have left with is our memories. Of course, our memories of the dead are commonly held by us to generally be positive in nature as an external source of comfort to those left behind. However, the raven challenges this idea and shows how memories of the dead can become painful, inescapable burdens. The poem opens with the narrator being lashed and tormented by memories and that even the distraction of reading is no tonic to heal his pain. The moment of hearing the knock on the door and opening it to an almost there ghostly presence can be read as supernatural but it is also a perfect metaphor for obsessive memories that continue to intrude into one's thoughts and from which one can't escape. With the arrival of the raven, the narrator's desire to free himself of his memories becomes inescapable. The raven plagues his conscious mind, consuming him and giving him no reprieve. The bird's cry of nevermore enforces in the speaker a belief that he lacks the power to escape his memories. In hope of relief, the narrator at one point imagines that the very air grows heavy, becoming inhabited by seraphim or angels. He cries out, Wretch thy God hath lent me. By thy angels he hath set thee. Respite, respite, and nepenthe from the memories of Lenore. Quaff, O oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. In Homer's Odyssey. Nepenthe, as we've already established, is a drug that erases memories. And so, in this moment, the narrator is hoping that even if he cannot help himself escape his memories, that some sort of divine intervention will intercede on his behalf. The raven, of course, only answers with nevermore, and in doing so, squashes the narrator's hopes for escape from the torment of his mind. Memories of loss and sadness, the poem implies, can never be escaped. Rather, they become nested in our brains, like a bird that's settling in for good.
So it's time to wrap up this week's poem and say goodbye. I want to give a big shout out to Maddie Overall, who gave me permission to use his fantastic reading of this poem. Maddie runs a wonderful YouTube channel called Maddie's Storyland that features some great poems and stories. I'd really encourage you to swing on over to his channel and check out his work. A link to Maddie's work will be included in the descriptions below. After listening to this poem, I also really hope to you, all my listeners out there, that you get some sleep tonight. And if you happen to hear a tapping on your window, just try to ignore it. It's probably just the wind. We'll finish by listening one more time to the poem. I'll see you next week. The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow. Vainly I had sought to borrow from my books surcease of sorrow. Sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This it is, nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door. Darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into that darkness peering, Long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see then what Theratis and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment and this mystery explore. Tis the wind and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. 
Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly, grim, an ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing farther than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, Other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Startled at the stillness broken by reply, so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store, A caught from some unhappy master, whom unmerciful disaster Followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore, Till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore, Of never, never more. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, Straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then, upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er. But whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press. Thought the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thou God had lent thee by these angels he has sent thee, respite, respite and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh quaff this kind nepenthe and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me, truly I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead, tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, 
prophet, said I. Thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, quoth the raven, Be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back unto the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken, quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas, just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul, from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted. Nevermore. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>